Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to be at this morning. I hope when you came in, you got a copy of this bulletin. On the back of that, there'll be some notes if you want to reference those as we work through God's Word together. But we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. Now, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1 for Josh, the book of Joshua for the next several weeks. And so, find your way there to Joshua. And as we begin, um, kind of in, in a new direction, if you will, that I'll explain. Um, but Joshua chapter 1 is we're going to start out with this morning and also those notes there on the back of the bulletin. It was back in 1939 that an actress by the name of Judy Garland starred in a film. She was playing the role of Dorothy Gale. And in this movie that we all known as the Wizard of Oz, she played a young lady that was trying to find her way back home. The Library of Congress says that The Wizard of Oz is the most watched movie of all time. Now it has been remastered, it has been redone, they've added color to the movie, but the movie is more of a timeless icon that holds in the story about this woman that is trying to get back home. We know that it's a dream, we know that she's in some type of a a coma after the tornado, but as the movie begins, she is there in Munchkin land, and uh, the Munchkins are sitting there, the good witch tells her that if you want to make it back home, you got to get to the wizard. And the way you get to the wizard is you follow the yellow brick road. And so she starts off there, the munchkins are all around her, and the, the yellow brick road kind of starts off as a spiral and it heads off into the sunset. And you have all these munchkins sitting there saying, just follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road. And so as that scene kind of comes to an end, she has all this hope, she has all this excitement and in her mind and the person that's watching it just thinks, well as long as she stays on this little path, she'll go straight to the wizard and all will be good. Well if you've seen the movie, you know that it's not that simple. And it's not that easy and it's wrought with challenges and hardships, characters along the ways, successes, setbacks, all of these things come. I think about the yellow brick road from time to time when I think about where we are often at, both individually and corporately as a church. So you look around the landscape today and people will say, well, in order for a church to be successful or in order for a church to move forward, it's just that simple. You just follow this plan. You follow this program. You follow this methodology. You follow this personality. And sometimes in the life of a church, you can get lulled into this idea. Well, if we just get a new building, we get a new location, we get a new preacher, we get a new set of lights, we get a new sound system, something changes and boy, success will come. We've been... Through the book of Ephesians, we just wrapped up the book of Ephesians last Sunday. And Ephesians is all about Paul trying to tell the individuals, trying to tell the church how it is they grow, how it is they mature, how, how it is they, they mature in their faith, and how is it they become effective in the community. But the next question for us to ask is, what does success look like? So if we're going to grow in our faith and we're going to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ, what does success look like? You look around to some churches, you look around some some ministries, some denominations, and they have a picture of what success looks like. And instead of us just assuming that it's just simple, follow the yellow brick road, whatever this person says or whatever that person says, I want for us to take a pause and to look and to see what the Bible says about 
success. See, if you were to come into the book of Joshua, and I really don't want to take a lot of time to really break down all the past history, but the book of Joshua really begins with Joshua taking over leadership and bringing the people from what was 40 years of wandering out of the wilderness. He takes these people from being nobads, wandering around the wilderness, going to funeral after funeral after funeral, to then coming in and taking possession of the land. And sometimes people want to jump straight from Joshua chapter 1 to Joshua chapter 6, and they just assume that you go across the Jordan River, and boom, there is Jericho. They march around it seven times the walls down, fall down flat, and you know that Sunday school story. They go in there and conquer Jericho, and boy, there is just a success, and they are off to a running start. But what you often miss is that between Joshua 1 and Joshua chapter 6, there are numerous steps or keys that led to the success of Joshua and the people. So my desire for us this morning is to think, what does success look like today? I've said it to you before, latest statistical numbers say that within a 10 mile radius of this church, there were over 12,000 people living. And of those 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius of this church, statistically speaking, 50% are below the age of 40. And amongst those 12,000 people, 60% are not in church. Now when they try to uh, try to, uh, to put a number together, they just sap, simply ask on the sense that are you in church? Are you not in church? And so when you describe what it means to be in church, sometimes that can be a, a moving target. But of those, when they recorded the information, 60% said they are not in church, which means that within a 10 mile radius, statistically speaking, numerically speaking, we have 7,695 people that are either de-churched, they're not affiliated with any form of religion or church, or they would say that we are not necessarily in church, we go to a different religion. Let's just round this number for good sake. 7,600 people within a 10 mile radius of this church aren't in church right now. Is that success? Is that success in the eyes of the church today when at First Baptist Church, Wellston, we have seats Available, we have seats open, we have opportunities to minister, we have opportunities to love on more people. What do we call success? today. You see, sometimes in the church in the past, sometimes in the church and I'm not talking about this church individually I'm talking about the church writ large they start to think that success looks like numbers. So all we got to do is get lots of people in the pew and that means success. Sometimes people start to equate success with money. Boy, if we can just get our budget up and if we can just increase the giving potential of the church and we can be sending on a small fortune, that means success. Sometimes they think it's the buildings and and so we just need a bigger products. We need need a bigger campus. We need a, a larger facility to meet in because that will mean success. But my question for us this morning is what does success look like for this church today? So I put there at the top of your notes. Success doesn't always start where we think. Sometimes we want to skip and we want to go straight to the success. We want to go straight to the enjoyment. Dorothy is starting off on her journey there in the Wizard of Oz and she thinks, all I got to do is follow this road. It's going to be easy. It's going to be simple. And sometimes we have that idea in our head that all we got to do is just do what everybody else is doing and that will mean success. But what I want to do this morning and, and for the next several Sundays that we are together, I want us to just consider from God's word, what does God 
theme as success. So every single Sunday, I'm going to give you some key, just one key to success, and then I want to unpack it from the Word of God of where we get that key at. So the idea of how do we be successful individually and how do we be successful corporately, how do we do this according to God and in the faithfulness of God, God tells us, this is how you are successful in my eyes. And the first key that he is going to give Joshua here in Joshua chapter 1 has to do with God's Word. And so I'm going to start there in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. And I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read aloud. And we're just going to read these first six verses. And then we're going to start to pick this apart during our time together. This is what the Bible says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory." No man should be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. The very first thing that, Paul, or that, that God does when he looks at Joshua, who is now assuming command of the people. Now, if you think back to all the way back in Exodus, Joshua's right there with Moses the entire time. When Moses is bringing the people out of the wilderness, they get to Mount Sinai. Moses is the one that goes up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And when he's coming down with the Ten Commandments in his hand, Aaron and the rest of the nation was down there worshiping the golden calf. It is Joshua that meets Moses as he's coming down the mountain and says, Hey boss, it sounds like there's war in the camp. Joshua had been with Moses all of the time. You think back to Numbers chapter 12 and Joshua and Caleb and 10 other spies were sent in to the promised land to spy it out and they came back out. 10 of the 12 spies said we can't do it. No way. Jose. Different plan. And it was was Jacob and it was, I'm not sorry, it was Joshua and Caleb that said no we can take it. The anger of God was kindled. Then God tells through Moses and says, all right, you all, you had your chance. You're going to wander the wilderness for the next 40 years. And during that wandering in the wilderness, all of the people above 20 years old would die. The only two people that are left that were alive in Numbers chapter 14 is Caleb and Joshua. So for the last 40 years, you can imagine Caleb and Joshua wandering around the wilderness thinking... I am wandering from place to place. I'm out here in the desert. I don't have any place to be. I could be there with the big grapes. I could be there with the big figs. I could be there with the nice, the nice land. I could be there building my retirement home. I could be doing all these things. But you all want to disobey. You all want to disconstruct. So now I'm walking around the wilderness for 40 years. So can you just imagine that Joshua has some idea of what he wants to do. Joshua for the last 40 years has been thinking about what this day is going to look like. So as they begin this day, as this day dawns, God looks at Joshua and says, Joshua, this is the first step in success. My word. I realize for us this morning it can just 
run right past us and say, well, Spence, that's it. God's word. That's it. That's God's word. Can you not? Is, is that as deep as you can get? Is that the most theological, philosophical thing that you can come up with? Just my word. You can just imagine when God is looking at Joshua and saying, Joshua, this is my key for your success. It begins with my word. You see there in your notes, he talks about the assurance of success. And that's what God does in these first six verses. He tells Joshua, Joshua, I have a plan. I have a plan for you. I have a plan for the people. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you this inheritance. You will find success. All of these things will come. And the last part of verse 6, he tells, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to the fathers to give them. God is saying, I have a plan for this creation, and I'm going to use you, Joshua. In other words, God uses people. He says, I'm going to use you, and I'm going to use this people to inherit and to possess the land. So God says... You're going to have success if you follow my will. You're going to have success if you follow my way. Sometimes in this world today, we find these television preachers, and they will try to lie to you, and they will try to deceive you, and they will try to say, well, if you just believe enough, you can have a brand new car. That's not what God says. Well, you know, if you just send enough money, you will have your sickness eradicated. That's not what God says. God doesn't promise wealth. God does not promise ease. God does not promise comfort. What God does is he promises success for those that follow after him. The problem is so many times is our definition of success is not God's definition of success. God's definition of success is eternal heaven with him. How much more successful can you be? I am in heaven forever with my heavenly father. I have been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. My sins have been forgiven. My name is written in Lamb's book of life. How much more successful could I be? And brothers and sisters, sometimes we start to think that success is possessions. We start to think that success is academics. We start to think that success is money. We start to think that success is your standing in the community around you. That's not the success that God is talking about. So God comes into Joshua and he says, I want to assure you that there is success for those that follow after me. So then he comes in there in verse 7 and God says, now let me tell you about this source of success. So he's given them the assurance that you will be successful, Joshua, when you follow me. But then he tells them, this is how you are successful. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That you may have good success wherever you go. Now some of you may think, well, so God is talking about the law of Moses. He didn't say the Bible. Well, let's just kind of take it back for a little context here. In Joshua's time, this is all they had. They didn't have the rest of the major prophets, the rest of the minor prophets. They didn't have the New Testament. Jesus hadn't come yet. So what they had up to that point, which represented the word of God, was the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Pentateuch. It was known as the law. And as Moses had written it down, he'd given it to the people. After that generation had died out, after 40 years in the wilderness, Deuteronomy is primarily about Moses giving it to them the second time, giving it to the new generation and saying, this is what God expects from you. This is what God, his standards for serving him and following him. This is what it looks like. And so when they come in to the land, the land of promise, they have God's word. And God looks at Joshua and says, you want to be successful 
in your pursuits. You want to be successful in your life. You want to be successful in your faith. You want to be successful in your family. You want to be successful in your community. You want to be successful in your walk before me. The source of that success is not money, fame, or fortune. The source of that success is God's word. Are you trying to tell me, preacher, that this is all I need to pay my bills? Yeah. Because when you read this word, it tells you to be diligent. (laughs) You go out and you be diligent, you'll have money to pay your bills. You mean this word is all I need to reconcile strained relationships? Yes. The Bible tells us to be long-suffering. Forgiving as Christ forgave us. You mean this is all I need to find a a spouse? Yes. God tells us the traits that we should look for not to be unequally yoked. Are you meaning to tell me this is all I need and to to raise children and to figure out what I should do with my children and how I should influence my children, how I should discipline my children? Yes. It does. You mean this tells me how I need to handle my marital problems when when my relationships become strained? Yes, it, it does. You mean this book has to, has to do with how I should find a job and what I should do with a job and how I should respond to an employer, how I should respond to my other, uh, my other fellow co-workers. Yes, it does. I am here to tell you this morning, church, that this word of God is sufficient for our daily lives. It gives us what we need to live faithfully before God. Why do you think that, Spence? Because what God says it does. It says there in verse 7, he says, Be strong and courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses' servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand. And then there's two words that follow after that in my translation. He says, so that, or that you may have good success. In other words, what, what God is telling Joshua is this book contains timeless truths to trust. Timeless truths truths to trust. It's been a couple of years back, but I was sitting in seminary down there in Fort Worth, Texas, and part of the seminary training, you had to take this class on counseling. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not the sweet lovey-dovey type. I'm not going to sit down and just be so sympathetic and empathetic to you, and you can sit down and tell me all your problems, and I can just give you this straight face like... So, I'm black and white. There is no gray. I, I, just don't have a lot of, I, I just don't have a lot of bandwidth for mushiness. I don't. <laughs> so, I sit in this class, and this class is on counseling. And I'm like, I don't... <sighs> I'm interested. But I had to take the class to pass. And I started taking this class in biblical counseling. And I would come home excited, telling Jaylene... The biblical counseling picture is how you take God's word and you answer the problems in people's lives according to God's word. And next thing you know, I got excited about the idea. Jalen and I ended up going down and we ended up completing an entire program where we became certified biblical counselors so we could help people and minister to people in their needs. And yet, even in today's time, I look at people and I see so many people that are struggling in their lives today and the primary reason is because they do not know God's word. And so they engage in practices that are contrary to God's word. And they find themselves in situations and and struggles and hardships because they got away from God's word. And you want to look at these people and say, God tells us do not depart from the left or to the right. Do not get away from God's word. Just this last week, I had, I'm not on fake book, you know that. And so uh, just this last week, I had somebody send me a screenshot. I got a cousin. 
he and his girlfriend, he's impregnated his girlfriend, and there's a picture they shared on social media, and they're both holding this ultrasound picture. And there was all these comments. Congratulations, congratulations. Oh, that's so precious. Oh, we're so excited for you, blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm going to tell you how non-mushy I am. I'm looking at this and going, you know what? There's no need for judgment. But there's also no embarrassment. There's no recognition that this is in contradiction to God's word. And when we have believing men and women in the church today that look at sin and celebrate sin, we are in danger of pursuing a success that is not from God. And I'm looking at this and saying, you know, I'm not going to get on there and say, oh, you're going to hell. Or, oh, you're out, of, you're out of the will of God. There is no need to be angry. There is no need to be legalistic. But there also is the need to say, you know what? I'm praying for you. Because this isn't God's design. And this isn't God's desire. And this is not God's will. And this is not God's word. How many Times have we found ourselves in struggles or times of questioning not because of the God's word but because we got away from God's word. So God comes in here to Joshua and he says remember the source of your success is not going to be your military mind. The source of your success is not going to be your possessions. The source of your success is not going to be the numbers. The source of your success is not going to be that you've been here before. The source of your success is going to be that you are lashed anchored to the word of God. So he goes on there in verse 8 and he talks about the condition of success. He talks about the assurance of success. He talks about the source of success. Then he talks about the condition of success. So as he's, as he's speaking to Joshua, he makes this there in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. There's four main hinges that I want you to see here in this verse. God comes in and he says, this book of the law shall not. In other words, this word shall not depart from you. There's a lot of things that we can do on a Sunday morning. But if we ever get rid of this word of God for the sake of tickling your ears, making you happy, encouraging you, giving you a bunch of self-help principles, we've strayed away from God. That's it. My, my, my job here serving you as your pastor is not to tickle your ears. It's not even to keep you awake. My job here is to be a tool used by God to grip your hearts with the word of God. My calling is not to be here to make you happy or to, uh, to be a person in a chicken suit drawing a crowd. My goal, my mission, my calling here is to say, this is what the Word of God says. This is how we apply the Word of God. And this is what the Word of God says we should do next. Because it's the Word of God. So he says, this Word shall not depart from you. Unfortunately, in our homes, in our personal lives, in our communities, we have gotten rid of the Word of God. People would be outraged because they took the Ten Commandments out of the schools. And because they took prayer out of the schools. I'm going to tell you, long before they took prayer out of the school, prayer was already out of the home. 
It's not a matter they took prayer out of the school and everybody was in arms. No, prayer had left the home and then they left the school. I have told you before that some people, and I, I, I subscribe to this idea, that the home today is the church tomorrow. So you look at the condition of the home, you look at the makeup of the home today, that is what the church is going to look like tomorrow. That should frighten us. Because we do not see obedience and faithfulness to God in our personal lives. So why should we see it in our corporate lives? So he says, this word shall not depart from you. God goes on. He says, but you shall meditate on it day and night. In other words, you shall know God's word. When he talks about meditation there, he's talking about this idea that you and I are spending so much time on it. We know it. We know it. We know it. I listened to somebody here. I preached the other day talking about uh, some of the songs that we sing and how a lot of the times the songs we should sing should be words that get stuck in your head. You should be able to go to work and be able to remember, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. We should have that kind of rhythm to our lives where these things are there. You ever had those songs stuck in your head? Here at one time and it just sticks with you and sticks with you, sticks with you. Or a scene of a movie or something that somebody says and it just sticks and it just grips and it just stays in your head all the time. He is saying here, that's what you should be doing with the Word of God. You should be meditating on God's Word. You should know God's Word. Why, preacher? Why should I know God's Word? He goes on there, so that you may. And may is different than you will. May is different than you shall. It's saying that this is a condition. This is a possibility. The reason why you stay close to God's word, the reason why you meditate on God's word is that you may be obedient to God. He says you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Why? Because God knows that your obedience is not by default. I know you're all looking around and you see Logan out there and you see Mike out there and you think, oh, those are just precious boys. They're precious right now. Just wait. <laughs> just, just wait. And they're even more precious when they're asleep. But when they start talking and when they start moving, I don't have to teach them how to sin. Kale is not going to have to sit down with Logan and go, okay, boy, here's how you back talk. He's not going to have to sit down with him and say, okay, boy, here's how you get disrespectful. Okay, boy, here's how you lie. Okay, boy, here's how you be deceitful. He's not going to have to sit down and teach him any of that. Because why? Because Logan's going to know that from the environment that he's in. (laughs) He doesn't have to be taught that because obedience is not by default. Obedience is by discipline. So we have these whole families today that think their child is just going to naturally pop out as a good, faithful child. That doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen with animals. It doesn't happen with children. It doesn't happen with anything. And we think that my children need more liberties and less discipline. And Satan says, yes. Yes, give your child more rights. Yes, defer to your child more. Yes, let your child be in charge in the home. Yes, 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 because Satan knows that does nothing but breaks down the structure of the home. So God comes in to Joshua and he says, you shall not depart. The word shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it. That way, that way you might be careful. You may be obedient to God's word. And then you come to that last conditional so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. So he says, this is the idea. When you do not depart from God's word, when you know God's word, and when you're obedient to God's word, then the recipe is good success. 
The problem is, though, in our day and age, we don't want to worry about God's word. We don't want to deal with the obedience part. We don't want to deal with the faithfulness part. We just want the success. I want the get-rich-quick scheme. I have been party of those before in my past where somebody says, you know, you can make $5,000 a week and you never leave your home. I would love that. Sign me up. Well, you got to spend this money. <laughs> and you got to sign up for this program. And you got to make all these cold calls and there's all these ideas. But we get stuck thinking, get rich quick schemes. And we think, oh, I just got to sign up for this. I got to do this. And all of this is going to come because we want success. And we're willing to do anything we can to get to the short circuit of success. And God comes into Joshua and says, Joshua, you're getting ready to go into this land. You're leading up towards a half a million people into this land. I want you to know success will not come without my word governing your life. And church... Success, success will not come to this church without God's word governing our lives individually and corporately. We're not going to be a success in the eyes of God if we are not following God's word with our lives. Much less with our church. So it's not a matter of a program. It's not a matter of a methodology. It's not a matter of some new uh, trick, some new draw, some new event, some new ploy. It's a matter of us recognizing that success starts with God's word. So God looks at Josh when he tells him, I will give you success as long as you are following my word. And then you get down there in verse 9 and it's the last point that God makes because he talks about the power of success. He says, this will be the source, this will be the condition but then this will be the power. Verse 9, he continues. He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says that when you find your success in God and when God gives you the success that comes from being lashed, anchored to his word, he said that this success, this power that you have, it will enable you, it will equip you, it will, it, it will empower you to do all these sorts of things like what? Well, notice he says, be strong and courageous. You're going to have strength to persevere, Joshua, because it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be roses. Not every day is a Friday. Not every day is going to be your best day. There are going to be disagreements. There are going to be, uh, uh, you're going to be taken the wrong way. You're going to be heard the wrong way. There's going to be spiritual attacks. There's going to be all kinds of spiritual warfare. There will be people that won't like you. There will be people that aren't happy with you. There will be people that will come and go. There will be people that look one, say, won't look one way to your face and they look another way behind your back. There will be people that will be coming up to pat you in the back looking for a good place for the knife. There will be people all around you that will be trying to slow you down, stop you, and just get you to be quiet. He says, but if you have the power of God's word and you're able to boldly say, thus saith the word of God, he says, then you can have the strength to persevere because you're not there and you're not following based upon man's appeal and man's opinions. You're there based upon the word of God. And not just that you have strength to persevere, but then you have courage to be different. He says, be strong and courageous. He understands that when they come into this world, they're going to be different. You... And I, that call Jesus our Lord, should be different. This idea that I need to be a chameleon and look like everybody else is not being faithful that God has called me to do. You go back in the first pages of Acts, and these new believers, they were gathered together. The crowds would look at them and say, there is something different about them. 
As they had Peter and John before the religious council. And they looked at him and they said that they were unlearned men. But it was very apparent that there was a spirit about them. Because they were glowing. Saul, before he became Paul, as he is there at the execution of Stephen. The stoning of Stephen. The Bible records for us there that there was a glow about Stephen's face. Because the spirit had fallen upon Stephen. This community should, be, should see something different in us. Not because we go around beating people in the head. Not that I walk into beds and go, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. Everybody look at me. I'm a Christian. Everybody look at me. Everybody talk like me. Oh, I can't look at that. I'm a Christian. I, I can't do that. I'm not talking about being annoying. <laughs> I'm talking about being a witness. I'm not being a testimony. David this morning in Sunday school was talking about being blameless, righteous. The idea that people see Christ in us. And they see what God is doing. Because we have the courage to be different. Because we read God's word and we know that success is not based upon the definitions of man. That success is based upon the approval of God. And we understand that when we are lashed, anchored to the word of God, when we know God's word, when we meditate on God's word, when we are obedient to God's word, when we follow God's word, then that word will then give us a power to live a faithful life. Fear of God, following after God, it gives us the courage to be different and it gives the confidence to be faithful. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He is saying it doesn't matter, Joshua, if you get into the valley. It doesn't matter if you're on the mountaintop. It doesn't matter if you're in the dark days or if you're in the bright days. It doesn't matter if you're having success or you're feeling defeated. It doesn't matter if you're having a happy day or a sad day. It doesn't matter if you're having a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter. God is always with you when you are with God. God is always with you. That's what success looks like in the eyes of God. So before Joshua has taken a step across the river, before Joshua has given a command of what to do, before Joshua has done anything, God stops him and says, Joshua, this is what success is going to look like, starting with my word. And here's where I think the breakdown so often happens in our churches today. People come and they think, well, I come on Sunday morning, so that's sufficient. Or, you know what, I, I come on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, so that's sufficient. Or, you know what, I, I listen to a five-minute devotional every single day, so that is sufficient. No, what God was telling Joshua is this word of God, that not only does it have you, but you have it. That's why I advocate so often for being in a Bible reading plan, having some way of regularly, systematically ingesting, digesting, getting God's Word into your life. Some people say, well, I don't like your Bible reading plan. Fine. But you know what? If you don't have a Bible reading plan, mine's better than yours. Because I have a way that systematically reads through God's Word. And if you don't, then how can you say you, yours is better than mine? So many times we have people, they come to church and they read God's Word here and this is the last time they read God's Word. Whether you do it on your phone, whether you do it on a tablet, do you read God's Word? Well, I don't understand God's Word. Then get you a study Bible where you can have study helps. Get you a commentary. Or better yet, if you want to read God's Word, then how? I can give you the plan that I'm reading, and you can read the plan that I'm reading, and every time you come across a question, you can call me. You can text me and say, hey, hey, what does this mean? You're there in Leviticus, and Leviticus talks about being unclean. 
especially in the sense of sexuality. And it talks about when men have a emission, how they're unclean for a certain period of time. Luke the other day is reading it. Grandma's there and he said, Grandma, what does this mean? <laughs> Grandma says, go ask your daddy. <laughs> so, we didn't get crude. We, we didn't get vulgar. We didn't get graphic. But I explained to him what God's word said. And what God's word means. And what a joy it is when you get to see young people that read God's word and come to understand what God's word is saying. That should be for all of us. So how it is that we know for being successful? How it is that we know from the right track for success? Well, down there at the bottom of your notes, I just gave you some ways that we can think about how it is that we are striving or seeking success in our daily lives. You want to see success in the life of the church? One of the things that I would encourage you to do is at the very bottom of your notes, there's three blanks. And these are the three blanks. I am praying for blank to be saved. I am praying for blank to repent. I invited blank to church today. You want to see this church grow? You want to see this church be successful? You want to see this church advance the kingdom of God? You come to church every single Sunday with three names to put in that blank. You realize that if every single one of us in this room invited and brought someone with us to church at least once a month, you know that what that would do to the seating capacity in this church? You know what it would be like if you and I actually prayed for people to be saved? What that would do to our hearts and our tenderness and our concern about the lost people around us? You know what it would be like if God's people took God's word seriously? So how do we seek success? Three ways. First one that I have for you this morning is to see through the correct lens. To see through the correct lens. I, it's my conviction that every single one of us are looking at the world either through the lens of the world or through the lens of God's Word. Every single one of us. Either we are looking at God's Word through the lens of the world and so we interpret everything that comes out of God's Word through man's centered lens or we're looking at the man-centered world we're living in through the lens of Scripture. We want to be looking through the correct lens, which would be the lens of Scripture, and we understand and interpret the, the world around us through the Word of God. So we look for the Word of God to explain, to help give us understanding, to help give us a, a source of wisdom, source of direction, source of discernment, all of those things. The second one is to focus on the internal things. To focus on the internal things. The things that you and I are doing on a daily basis, does that have an internal impact? Or is it just for the moment? Is it just going to burn up? Is it just one of those things that is temporary? Is it the things that we're doing, does it have an internal impact? The relationships that you're building. The investments you're making in people's lives. The influence that you are being to people. We talked last Sunday about E.M. Tiffany and how 85 years later, his words are still impacting young men and young women even to this day. One man. What are you doing that has an internal impact? And then this last one and we're done. To be faithful first. So many times we want to be successful. So many times we want to have, be at the top of the mountain. We want to get to the goal. We want to get to the place that we are trying to get to. And so many times we just look at it and go, what do we have to do to get what we want? And I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you this morning that success begins by being 
faithful. If we want to be the kind of church that is successful in the eyes of God, and if we want to be the kind of church that reaches these 7,695 people that are out of church, and we have no idea how many are saved or lost, even the ones that are in church, you have no idea of knowing how many are saved or lost. And so you have thousands of people right here within a 10-mile radius of this church, thousands of people that are lost, and we want to be successful, and we say, we want to reach them. How does that begin? It doesn't begin by us putting up a tent and us having a big name come in. It starts with us being faithful first. Because if we're not faithful first individually, then we're not going to be faithful second corporately. This isn't about me. This isn't about Greg. This isn't about a deacon. This isn't about a Sunday school teacher. This isn't about a long-standing member of this church. It's not about a man. It's not about a woman. It's about you and I as believers in Jesus Christ asking ourselves the question, are we being faithful to God? So I wonder this morning, are you being faithful first to God? You bow your heads with me.